0: Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. That's the hymn, The Day is Surely Drawing Near, drawn from very famous words of Jesus. While some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the day will come when there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And Jesus goes on to predict a great number of calamities, both personal and national Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going to be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, with Dr. Carl Fikancher. We're going to be talking about Jesus foretelling not only the destruction of the temple, but wars and persecution and the destruction of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 21. Dr. Carl Fikancher is professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Fekent, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Todd.
0: This uh, hymn that we're going to look at eventually, The Day is Surely Drawing Near, that's for the end of the church year. That seems to kind of remind us that Jesus is going to return soon, even though it's not just the end of the church year, it's actually awaiting his real arrival. At least, however soon, seems to mean something different to Jesus than it does to us. Do you think that the prospect of Jesus' return is generally comforting to people, or does it make people more uneasy or perhaps a little scared?
1: Well, I think there's some of both, uh, depending on, and this is really very much where our lessons will take us, the perspective from which we hear this, this uh this message of Christ's return. Uh, If a person uh, uh, is uncertain about what's going on and and has no clues to where he stands, that's certainly one thing. And if a person understands what uh, Christ is doing now and uh, for eternity, it's a a totally different perspective. Uh, You know, on the one hand, (laughs) there could be a lot of comfort in the fact that Christ is coming back. I think a lot of us, even this very week, are throwing up our hands and saying, "Uh, I want out, you know, (laughs) what's going on here? Uh, looks so doggone discouraging. We don't see any hope or any prospect for something uh, coming out of even this election that is very encouraging. And uh, we may uh, take that uh, quite a few steps further than we should, frankly, and almost despair of of the future, period. That, That would be foolish. If we feel that way, then the idea of Christ coming back tomorrow sounds pretty appealing. Uh, on the other hand, many people uh, are, are terrified of the concept of having a stand before the judge. And uh, so the, all the questions and, and things that come up often, also often in, uh, in, in popular religious publications about the end times, are really very much geared to, to terrify, to, to, to make people very, very unsettled. Uh, and neither one of these positions really reflects what Jesus would have us know in our readings today, uh, what God would have us understand in preparation for Christ's return. Uh, but uh, our lessons today really do, in a wonderful way, prepare us so that we neither fear Christ's return, nor are ready to abandon ship and, and bail out until, until God knows that it's just the right time.
0: We start our reflection on the propers for this coming Sunday, working toward the the Last Sunday of the Church here, with this little verse, Alleluia, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near, Alleluia. Why is that a good place to begin?
1: Well, the verse is always selected to be somehow thematic for the propers of the day. And sometimes it really does reflect in a very nice way the summary of everything that's been going on. It's always brief, it's always cut to be a brief liturgical piece so often there's more to add to it. But it's always a good place to look, and today I thought I would start there because uh, I'm going to base my theme, build my theme, actually just a moment, uh, largely from this. Again, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This comes from our Gospel lesson from Luke chapter 21, which we'll hear later on. And so that certainly is very much at the core of what the propers for the day will always follow. But I think there's some very interesting elements there. I'll just mention them for the moment, and then we'll unpack them in a second. Uh, The the idea of raising your head is actually, to me, a very... uh, uh, provocative kind of image because your redemption huge huge word and that's a big part frankly of the answer to your initial question Todd where we sit are we terrified are we are we comforted uh, to understand that your redemption is and then finally drawing near and you've already mentioned that as well uh, the idea that the end of the church here points us to the end of the world which Christ says is soon It's it's near but we, of course, don't know just how near that is, and God's perspective on near may be very, very different from ours. But if we think about those elements, that are raising your head because your redemption is drawing near, uh, and, and unpack those a bit more. I think we'll get an awful lot out of those in all of the propers today.
0: What does the psalm that is appointed for the day that many churches use, Psalm 98, what does it bring us?
1: Well, this is an interesting choice to go for this particular day, and uh, along with the verse that we just heard, this will kind of help me finish out already the things I would like to include in my theme, which we'll then unpack in all the rest of the propers. The reason I say this is an interesting selection to be the psalm of the day is that Psalm 98 is also the psalm appointed for Christmas and it's not surprising in that respect because it is the text that Isaac Watts used to give us the words to Joy to the World. So hymn number or rather psalm 98 is the basis for our hymn Joy to the World that we sing very very joyously at Christmas time. But there is an interesting variation on that and that is uh, as people may be aware When a psalm is appointed each week, one verse, usually within the psalm, almost always within the psalm, sometimes somewhere else, but usually within the psalm, is chosen to be the antiphon for that psalm. And just as in our introit, we often talk about the antiphon as a verse that helps to see the, the focus or the theme for the introit, so also the portion of the psalm that is chosen to be the theme is, all, is also very significant to, to notice. Uh, in, on Christmas, when Psalm 98 is used as the, the psalm for the day, verse 2 is the antiphon. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. But now, on this second to last Sunday of the church year, as we look forward to Christ's coming at the end of the world, a different portion of this Psalm 98 is chosen to be the antiphon. I'll read through the whole psalm, and then I'll, I'll tell you what the antiphon is this time. Oh sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. We can see the the Christmas theme there. When Christ appears as a baby born in Bethlehem, God is revealing his righteousness in the sight of the nations for our salvation. He's made known his salvation. We go on. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. There's there's Christmas and Christmas again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, break forth into joyous song, and sing praises. Joy to the world we could sing. Joy to the world. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise, there's that joy to the world again before the King the Lord. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it, let the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. And all of this gives us that, 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 that sense of how exciting it is when Christ comes. And certainly at Christmas time when Christ comes in the flesh, it is that cause for celebration, for joy, for the, for the uh, singing, uh, for the melody, for clapping our hands together. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For here's how it goes the rest of the way. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now that last portion is the antiphon chosen when Psalm 98 is used as the psalm for the second last Sunday of the church year, proper 28 that we're looking forward to this week. Again, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Everything we've been hearing about God revealing His salvation, uh, remembering His steadfast love and faithfulness, inviting us to make a joyful noise to the Lord, joyous songs, singing praises, all those things fit so very, very well when we think of Christ's coming to earth at Christmas time, coming to be our Savior. But then when we get to the end of the psalm, and the psalmist says He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity, all of a sudden, that word judge is not nearly as exciting to us most of the time. We don't uh, quite get the thrill out of that, that we hear about him revealing his salvation and his steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, but it's significant, very significant, really, that when the psalm was appointed for this end of the church year time, rather than at Christmas time, we would emphasize judging. Uh, When Christ comes at the end of the world, the last day, this thing that we're looking forward to as we get down to the last Sundays of the church year, we know he's going to come as judge. And that, of course, Todd, is where that question comes up. Is this going to be frightening or is this going to be comforting? The one crucial clue that the psalmist gives us here is that he says he will judge the world with righteousness. And that then, Todd, uh, together with the verse that we heard a second ago, gives me the basis for our theme that we'll unpack the rest of the way as we look at the other propers. Here, here already today is my theme. I'll give it right up front here. My theme for these, these propers this week is, Raise your heads, because the righteous judgment of your redemption is near. Recognize some elements that I picked up there from the verse, Raise your heads. We've added then from the psalm, because the righteous judgment, and now from the verse again, of your redemption, is near. Uh, let's talk about that for just a second. Uh, first of all, that element that we referred to from the verse, raise your heads. As I said before, I think that's, that's very provocative. Uh, the idea of raising our heads is a way of saying, be on the alert. Be looking up. Uh, see what's going on around you. Anticipate what's coming. Don't be indifferent. Don't be idle. Don't be dragging your feet and looking down. I actually think about uh, how when you're driving down the road sometimes out in the country, you look to your left or to your right, and you'll see cows out there grazing the fields, and all of their heads are down. All their heads are down grazing. It's all, it's, uh, unless the cow is actually moving, his head is never up. It's always down eating grass. And, and it occurs to me as I see that that, that cows have probably acquired through, through a centuries and centuries of domestication uh, a feeling of security. Of course, they don't know the end is coming in, a, in a, a big, bad way for most of them, but at least throughout the time of their lives... They don't have to be looking out for predators. They're there they're somewhere where somebody's taking good care of them, and all they have to do is eat. They're, their heads are down. They're not paying much attention. Uh, they're not really uh, being very productive, and they're certainly not doing anything that, uh, that looks beyond their immediate circumstance of wanting to, to eat some grass. You go driving along, and every now and then you see a deer, and you see those deer always have their heads up. They're always looking, they're always on the alert. This is really very much what our verse, which comes, of course, from. Uh, Jesus' words in Luke 21, is all about. Uh, Jesus wants us not to be grazing with our heads down as if nothing is going on around us of any import. He wants us to be alert for what's going on around us. And this is, of course, very much the way we human beings do as well. Uh, There are times when we are uh, heads up, looking around us, uh, very uh, locked in on, on the circumstances in which we are, and then lots of other times when we go walking down the sidewalk with our heads down, looking at our feet or the sidewalk just in front of us, just really not paying much attention to anything except the next couple of steps. So uh, when Jesus says, raise your heads, he really is putting us on the alert that this day to come, this, this judgment day coming up is something for which we must be prepared, something that we can't let suddenly come upon us as if we were completely unaware Uh, with our heads down, not paying attention to what might be next. Raise your heads, because the righteous judgment of your redemption is near. I think the helpful thing that the psalm brings to us here, when it speaks of how the Lord will come and judge the world with righteousness, is that it shows us uh, the way this redemption that the verse speaks of is contrasted. We know that redemption is a wonderful word. Redemption means to be bought back. And when Jesus tells us in our Gospel reading in the verse from Luke 21 that our redemption is near, that is a wonderful, wonderful assurance that we can be uh, eager to anticipate Christ's return. There is a very, very real comfort in the news that Christ is going to come back. But the fact that our redemption is near is also predicated on the fact that the Lord will judge the world with righteousness. And that is to say that all those wonderful joys that our psalm, Psalm 98 expressed to us, certainly are based on our being delivered from all forms of evil. When Christ comes back to bring us redemption, To buy us back, to take us to be with Him in all that perfect joy that Psalm 98 describes, it will mean also taking us away from all sources of suffering, of sadness, of sin, and all of its effects. When Christ comes, He is going to judge. And that means He is going to bring punishment, in fact, eternal punishment on all of those who are outside of his kingdom, all of those who are not prepared by faith in him. Uh, That will be righteous. That will be proper. Because all of us are guilty of sin. And when Christ judges in righteousness, all of those who are standing in their sin will very properly be banished from God's presence forever. But of course, all of us who are likewise guilty of sin... But have been washed in the blood of Christ Jesus, receiving his death on the cross by our baptisms, clinging to that in faith, and therefore forgiven of our sins, well, we, on the other hand, will see this day as a day of redemption. So, the righteous judgment that Christ is bringing is a separation of those who are in faith in Christ from those who are not. And finally, raise your head because the righteous judgment uh, of your redemption is near. Now, that's a huge element as well. When we're told that this is near, it means it will happen. There will be a vindication for God's people, even if it sometimes seems not as soon as we would like, and even if in the meantime there seems to be suffering that seems to belie God's care ultimately in the meantime.
0: Dr. Carl Fikenscher is our guest We are looking forward to Sunday morning, the second last Sunday of the church year. When we come back, we will look at the intro. That is the first thing that people will hear as they enter church on Sunday morning. Then we'll move on to the other readings, culminating there with the gospel reading from Luke 21, Jesus foretelling the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, of wars, of persecution, and ultimately of his return. We're looking forward to Sunday morning on this Monday afternoon, November the 7th. Dr. Carl Fakencher is our guest. Just a reminder, an hour or two of Issues Etc., it's Open Lines. Your answer to the question, who are you going to vote for in the presidential election and why? Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor.
2: I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org slash worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Casting Christ's net on the internet. You're listening to Issues Etc.
3: Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step, classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR 23 to save on your order. simplyclassical.com.
0: As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Mons are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls? See Ad Crucem's beautifully designed Christmonds, together with our book describing how they fit into the church year. Visit adcruesome.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Of 4 of the hymn of the day for this coming Sunday, echoing the return of Christ, as does the rest of the propers. The day is surely drawing near. Dr. Carl Fikentra is our guest as we look forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary. Dr. Fikentra, let's look then at the intro, which is mostly Psalm 121 and a little bit of Luke 21.
1: Right. It does actually have as its antiphon a portion from our gospel reading coming up, Luke 21, verse 33. Most of it is uh, Psalm 121, much of which is actually familiar to us. Here it is. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This, as you said, is the first proper that we'll hear actually in the service, and right away it does alert us to the fact that we are at the end of the church here. Heaven and earth will pass away. There's a reminder certainly for us that we're coming coming near to the end of this world. Uh, We don't know when that will be. It might be centuries away. It could be before this show is over. It could be before we get to this coming Sunday morning. But that time certainly will come. Heaven and earth will pass away. There will be a last day. But then Jesus says, My words will not pass away. This is the wonderful comfort that we do indeed have as we look forward to the end of the world at this end of the church year. The day is coming for an end, but when Christ promises that his words will not pass away, it means that the promise he gives us, that he will deliver all of those by righteous judgment who are in him, that is, he will bring our redemption is a certainty. That that tells us that even if it seems as if uh, the end of the world is delayed and we wish it were sooner, it is near, it is coming. He has promised that he will return. He has not forgotten about us. That time certainly is, in fact, coming. It is indeed near. And that is a great comfort to those who are in Christ. And then Psalm 121, we've looked at this uh, actually in another setting uh, not too many weeks ago, and I pointed out some things about it. Uh, but in terms of these last days of the church here, remember these words again, I lift up my eyes to the hills. There's again that uh, kind of alert that Jesus gives us in the uh, gospel reading that is very much our verse, lift up your heads, raise your heads. I lift up my eyes to the hills. That is to say, we look at And we see where Christ will be when he delivers us. It's not that uh, there are are, uh, uh, mighty deities camped on the top of the hills where where the pagans in in Old Testament Israel would look. But when we look up there, we are reminded to look up further and see that our help actually comes from the Lord. And it goes on, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Finally, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. When we get to the end of the church year, those phrases that we sometimes throw away, from this time forth and forevermore, uh, do come closer to home. We realize that the things in this life are uh, only passing, but there is a forevermore also beyond this world. The end of the church year reminds us that these things are passing, heaven and earth will pass away, but Christ will be with us and bring us to be with him for all eternity. And now we really appreciate that.
0: Now we look, if we could, at the uh, collect for the day.
1: The collect of the day once again gives us that same kind of reminder of forever. O Lord Almighty and ever-living God, you have given exceedingly great and precious promises to those who trust in you. Rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may live and abide forever forever. In your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. God has given these magnificent promises in Christ Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His words will not pass away. That uh, second coming of Christ is bringing our redemption. It is coming to receive us into unspeakable joys that we talked about last week uh, on All Saints celebration. Uh, those are fantastic promises. And they certainly do look beyond just the things of this world. We live and abide forever in your Son, we pray. And as I said a moment ago, when we get to this time of the church here, phrases that we sometimes overlook are more appreciated. He lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And while heaven and earth will pass away, Christ's words will never pass away. He promises to be with us for all eternity, keeping us safe in heaven in all those perfect joys uh, that we will experience and uh, without ending, now and forevermore.
0: Before we go to the break, the Old Testament reading is from Malachi chapter 4, and it is, the theme here is really clicking together, obviously. The Great and Terrible sur- Day of the Lord.
1: It certainly is. We've got that last day. It's coming. But that day is a day of righteous judgment, which includes redemption for us who are in Christ. Uh, Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. For behold, the day is coming, and listen to what it means to the unbeliever, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch righteous judgment is coming. Those who are not in Christ Jesus will be like stubble, ablaze, uh, burned in an oven. That, that's righteous. That's the way it should be. That's, that, that's totally proper. But that's not where God wants to leave us. Verse 2, but for you who fear my name, you who are in Christ, you who, who believe in the redemption that Christ has earned on the cross, the Son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. The son of righteousness in our ear in English translation actually makes a nice little play on words, doesn't it? Because it is the S-U-N, the son of righteousness, or like the, the sun rising in the east that gives hope and encouragement every day. The Sun that gives life to the world. But we realize that that son of righteousness really is none other than the son of god malachi is looking ahead to the time when in the new testament christ would appear he would be the one who brings us healing and and the result is so beautifully characterized there you should go out leaping like calves from the stall if those cows by the the side of the road have their heads down to a nothing the young calf is having a delight in just being alive and that's the picture we see here leaping like calves from the stall eager to get out and 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 see the world And that's the joy we have coming back to verse three and you shall tread down the wicked. There's that righteous judgment upon those who are unbelievers for they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. And he turns again to believers and he encourages us. Verse four, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Remember the 10 commandments that God gave to his people. Behold, I will send you, you, my people, Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Righteous judgment, utter destruction, but God eagerly prepares us for that day so that in fact the last day will be a day of redemption for us. He sends Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. We know from the New Testament that this is actually a prophecy of John the Baptist, whom God sent ahead of Christ as the forerunner of Jesus to proclaim repentance, call people to repent of their sins, and announce that the kingdom was coming near in the one who had come very shortly thereafter. And, of course, John accomplished that. God's Word continues to accomplish that for us, too. It prepares us for Christ's coming at the last day by calling us to repentance, to return the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of children to their fathers, to return from sin to God and know that in Christ Jesus He has forgiven us of all of those sins so that it is not a time of utter destruction when Jesus comes at the end.
0: Dr. Carl Sakencher is our guest, and we are looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the second last Sunday of the church here. On the other side of the break, it's the epistle reading where the apostle is warning the Thessalonians, who had much on their mind by way of Christ's return, many anxieties and fears regarding it. He warns them against idleness in the last days. Stay tuned.
3: The church's music from the 2nd century,
4: the 6th century,
3: the 12th century, 16th century, the 21st century, the The best of the Church's music from the past 2,000 years, LutheranPublicRadio.org.
0: St. Jacobi Lutheran Church in Shawano, Wisconsin has a special guest each and every week. It isn't you, but it is Jesus Christ. He is a guest, and he is also the one who comes to serve you with his preached word and his broken body and shed blood. You are invited to be served by Jesus on Saturday evening at 6.30 and Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Visit www.stjakobi.org for more information.
2: What is eternal life? How do you understand it? How do you imagine it? We're full of all sorts of ideas of what eternal life might be like. And yet, the scriptures are clear. Eternal life centers on Christ and Him crucified for the sins of the world. The November issue of The Lutheran Witness explains some of these misconceptions about eternal life and what the scriptures say. So to learn more, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit LCMS.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, teaching you to interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. The radio voice of the Lutheran faith for the 21st century, you're listening to Issues Etc.
1: Come and experience firsthand by sitting down in classes and actually hearing professors, coming to chapel, which is always the high point of the day,
0: to hear the Word of God and to lift our voices in song. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Paul Grimm on why you should consider visiting Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Spend time talking to professors. I mean, there's not a professor here who will not be willing to, to take time, whether it's after chapel during the coffee hour or just to come into one study and, and sit down and talk for a while, to answer questions, to you know, help them to get a sense of, A, you know, do they want to be a pastor or a deaconess? And then B, is this the right place? And well, maybe C, would be the question, is now the right time for them to make that decision? If you've contemplated the vocation of pastor or deaconess, contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or send an email to admission at ctsfw.edu. Him, the, the day is surely drawing near. Stanza five. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, etc. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three year lectionary with Dr. Carl Fikentra of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Folks, Concordia Publishing House's annual warehouse sale ends tomorrow, November the 8th. I know tomorrow's a busy day, but there's still time to take advantage of dramatically reduced prices on many of the Reformation resources that you hear promoted here on Issues, etc. You can also check out their Not Quite Perfect condition section. Just go to the CPH warehouse sale logo at our website, issuesetc.org, Concordia Publishing House's annual warehouse sale online and in-store at 3558 South Jefferson in St. Louis. Dr. Fikancher, take us into this reading from Second Thessalonians 3.
1: 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 5, and in uh, some settings those will be read, and then all of our churches will be reading verses 6 through 13. 2 Thessalonians, as you said, Todd, is a significant eschatological book. That is to say, it is a book that focuses in a very large way on the end times, it's an answer, in some ways, to first Thessalonians being misunderstood by those Christians in Thessalonica, who misunderstood Paul 's first letter to think that Christ perhaps had already come and that they might have missed out on that second coming of Christ. So he addresses a number of elements that look ahead. Interestingly, this portion, the first 13 verses of chapter 3, don't seem to be as focused on the end times as we might think. I think though, though there's a very significant connection, uh, particularly to the theme we've expressed. Here you go. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith." But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now continuing with verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give this command to you, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you, Walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, initially, verses 2 and 3, we have something that looks like it uh, points to the judgment we've expressed very uh, clearly. Uh, We uh, pray, Paul prays, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. This we're certainly seeing in light of the uh, return of Christ at the end. Uh, We are going to be delivered from the wicked and evil. We've said that righteous judgment will come, which will separate the believers from unbelievers, and we've said that the Lord is faithful, that is to say, the promise Christ is near will be fulfilled. When Jesus says that coming is near, it's his assurance that even if it seems that evil and wicked men have their way for a time, God has not forgotten about us. He is faithful, he is coming back, whatever soon may be, may may maybe not what we expect, but in fact, he's coming in a time that is exactly right. But then the last portion of the reading doesn't seem to have that same eschatological or end times kind of implication. Uh, It talks about uh, not being idle. It sounds just like a very practical thing. He says, "When, when we were with you, we worked day and night. We weren't idle. We worked diligently. But we do hear there's some among you who do walk in idleness. You're not busy at work, but you're being busy bodies. You're just being in the way wherever you are. Uh, as for you brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. It sounds like just a very straightforward, practical instruction to the church just, just to be about their business. Uh, but actually, that really is uh, a significant uh, alert for us when we look at our, our theme for these last days and this particular Sunday. Uh, to be about our business as a as, as nondescript and ordinary routine as that sounds is very much what Christ wants us to be in these last days. Remember our theme, raise your heads. Christ is telling us not to be cows with our heads down, but to be deer with our heads up, alert, looking around us all the time. To be idle, to be busybodies, is to be wrapped up in the things of this world, those those very ordinary things that can be very consuming to us. It could be literally not going to a job, but mooching off the provision of others. But it also can be, idleness also can be, simply going about ordinary things without an awareness of the important things. Being about our business doesn't just mean going to a job and earning a living. When we speak in those terms, we really are speaking about God's business. Uh, Christ had to be about God's business. Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? And that is, of course, what each one of us is to be about as we wait for Christ to return. To have our heads up, have our heads looking left, right, forward, and especially upward, anticipating Christ's return, is to say we are to be active in living out our faith. St. Paul says they toiled and labored night and day. And that was not just a matter of earning a living so they didn't have to receive offerings from others to make, make ends meet. Paul was being diligent because he knew the time was short. Even 2,000 years ago, the time was short. In 2016, Christ's return is near. Every day, every minute that God gives us is a time to use diligently to be about his business, active in our faith, active in good works, and active also in sharing that faith with others. I I even like this uh, significant element in verse 6 where Paul says, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. And this is really very much a reminder of being prepared uh, for the last day. It brings to my mind, frankly, that story in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 16, when Korah and Dathan and Abiram, some of the elders among the people of Israel, uh, raised an insurrection against Moses, uh, a rebellion And God uh, answered that rebellion in the sternest possible way. Uh, The word came down, get away from the tents of these men, from Korah, from Dathan and Abiram. And then, if anyone remembers, the ground opened up and swallowed the tents of those men, along with their families, their wives, their little ones, and all that they, they possessed. Get away from them. Don't be associated with them. And that's what Paul's reminding us when he says, keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness. It's not just a matter of, of uh, you know, following a bad example to be not as diligent in our work. What Paul really is alerting us to there is that as we wait for Christ's return, it is crucial that we not be caught up in the worldliness that would separate us from Christ, be busy about God's business, uh, not to... Uh, being engaged in other things to the detriment of of our alert.
0: Dr. Carl Fikancher is our guest on this Monday afternoon. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary. We will be talking about the gospel reading that runs that Sunday and every Sunday, Luke chapter 21, Jesus foretelling the destruction of the temple. On the other side of the break, then in hour two of issues, etc., it's an entire hour of open lines for your answers to the question, who are you going to vote for in the presidential election? And why? That's our two of issues, etc. In about fifteen minutes. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. Is the issues, etc. A book of the month for November? This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040 or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The issues etc. a book of the month, 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible.
2: More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and
1: earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived
2: by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior
4: Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins.
2: To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church.
0: That is the final stanza of the hymn of the day. The day is surely drawing near. We're looking forward to that day, Sunday morning. According to the three-year lectionary, Dr. Carl Fikentcher is our guest. Let's get right into the Gospel reading, Luke chapter 21.
1: Luke 21, verses 5 through 28, and continuing with with verses 29 through 36, we've heard a couple of highlights already, and we'll note those again. Verse 5, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left one stone here upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified for these things must first take place but the end will not be at once this is during the last week of jesus life this is when jesus and his disciples are out uh... one of their trips into the temple that during holy week and as they're leaving the temple the disciples remark about how magnificent this temple building is with huge stones that are are so very very impressive and jesus kind of bursts their bubble he says the day is going to come when all this is going to come crashing down that day is surely drawing near. The day is coming when there will be judgment upon the whole world, the righteous judgment of God. They, they ask, when will these things be? And Jesus answers in a way that has been intriguing to Christians now for, for 2,000 years. By no means does he give a formula for figuring out that Jesus is returning in 1914. Oops, that didn't happen. Or 1984. Oops, that didn't happen either. Or any other date that we might possibly project. It's not that at all. But Jesus does give us these words of alert for the very purpose we've been talking about in our theme, to remind us that judgment is near, but to enable us to be prepared so that it comes as a day of redemption, not a day of terror. There are going to be people who come trying to lead us astray. Don't go after them. And Jesus says, don't be terrified. Do not be terrified. The things that I'm talking about now are going to happen. They must take place. But the end will not be at once. It will come in God's perfect time. And then he gives that list of of those signs. that We talk about so much nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, terrors, great signs in the heavens. He says there will be persecution, that we will be arrested, that Christians will be dragged into court, uh, betrayed by family members, some of them put to death. And then he gives these wonderful words in verse 18. But, not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. And he goes on, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. All these things that Jesus has been promising are going to happen and they will not fail. Skipping down then to verse 25, Jesus says there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. These are the kinds of things, Todd, that we talked about from the very beginning, the things that cause uh, people to be terrified when they think about the last day. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now that could above, above all be the moment of terror. We know from other places in Scripture, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, in Revelation chapter 1, that when these days come, people in their sins will will indeed be terrified. They will mourn because of their sins. Uh, It will be a terribly frightening experience. But Jesus says, now when these things begin to take place, here's our verse, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus speaks these words just a day or a couple of days before he dies on the cross. And Jesus knows that when he goes to the cross, the redemption of the entire world will be accomplished. The sins of the whole world will be paid for. All people will have been redeemed, bought back. And so everything that goes on from that day, from the time of Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection until he returns at the end, is always the anticipation of that redemption being fully revealed. That will happen on the last day when Christ comes back. Jesus says, raise your heads. Remember, that means let's not go about uh, lackadaisically uh, uh, grazing like cattle, just letting things go on without our attention. In idleness, as St. Paul talks about, be alert, be ready, but be ready eagerly because it is redemption coming. And Jesus told him a parable Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. And here is the antiphon to our intro again. Verse 33 Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words. Will not pass away. The fact of the matter is, as Jesus prepares us for his return, whenever that may be, it's near, it's going to be soon, but we don't know how soon, soon will be. He wants us not to be afraid. He wants us to look forward, trusting in his words. Even though we know that things we might cling to here, heaven and earth, will be shaken and ultimately destroyed, his promises to us are absolutely certain. In our baptisms, he declared to us that we were God's children. Every time we receive his body and blood and holy communion, we are again assured that we are forgiven of all of our sins and have eternal life. When the gospel is preached to us, when absolution is spoken to us, these are the words of Christ which absolutely, positively will not pass away. Neither will pass away the word when Jesus says that he is coming back. There will be judgment. It will be righteous judgment. It will separate believers from unbelievers. Those who are not in Christ will indeed have reason to be terrified. But for those of us who are in Christ, those last days will indeed bring our redemption. Christ's return at that final judgment will ultimately be for us a day of pure joy. Not a hair of our heads will perish by our endurance, Jesus says. We will gain our lives. By remaining faithful to the end, not falling off into idleness and indifference toward God's Word, but clinging to it faithfully, we look forward to Christ's return with real joy.
0: Dr. Carl Fikenscher is Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Missions Teaching, primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Fakentcher, thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Todd
0: next week on issues etc we'll begin a series with dr curtis geesey on the opponents of jesus we'll talk with mark hemingway about the left's miscarriage of facts on abortion and we'll get a review of the movie black panther wakanda forever with pastor ted geese i'm todd wilkin go to church on sunday thanks for listening to issues etc
2: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Jesus the Good Shepherd says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. We invite you to join us as we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and follow Him who gives us eternal life. Sunday worship services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 10.30. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri, on the
0: web at goodshepherdarnold.org. That's goodshepherdarnold.org.
1: St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, is hosting its annual Sausage Supper on Sunday, November 13th. Carry-out
2: meals are available beginning at 11.30 Sunday morning until 5.30 Sunday
1: evening. St. Paul Lutheran is located three miles off of Interstate 55 on Old Route 66. St. Paul Lutheran's Carry Out Sausage Supper, 11.30 a.m. through 5.30 p.m., Sunday, November 13th, in Hamill, Illinois. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation
2: doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org.